You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You got called to do, what was it, the download festival? Like on a short notice basis to go fill in for Jeff Loomis? Can we talk <laughs> about that real quick? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it was summer breeze in Germany. 2018. How many people were, were, were at that show, Joey? I think like around 50,000. Oh, only 50,000. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here, as always, with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. And today we're super pumped to welcome uh, a, a longtime Lost Symphony contributor, uh, Mr. Joey Concepcion. Uh, he's got a new record coming out, uh, Divine Technical Machine, which is sick. I actually he sent he sent us the tracks uh, last night. I listened through the first like few. It's 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 pretty cool, man. I'm looking forward to diving into it. But uh, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Joey, I was saying right before the show, this is my first time meeting you, like well, virtually, I suppose. So, but it's <laughs> I, you know, it's crazy because I feel like I know you at this point from all the playing. And I mean, let me just I say, thought- yeah, you are like one of the most impressive guitar players I've ever seen, like not just in your original stuff, but your ability to emulate, you know, we've done so many covers through Lost Symphony too. your ability to emulate like all these guitar heroes. So you're, you're a monster, man. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot. I, I have to say something about Joey that I, I, so I love Joey, but when you listen to him play, it's like, first off, there's nobody on the planet that like, has such an Ouija board for a hand. That's the way I describe Joey. Because if he plays Randy Rhodes, it sounds like Randy Rhodes. When you play Van Halen, it sounds like Van Halen. It's not. It doesn't sound like a, a seven-year-old Japanese kid imitating Van Halen. You sound like Van Halen, and you sound like you're going to rip my head off. But then I go and talk to you, and you're like, hey, man, how are you? What's up <laughs> with that? Why, is you, why does it sound like you're so ferocious on the guitar, but then I meet you, and you're like, can, can I do your dishes? <laughs> I don't know. I guess it, it just like takes a lot of energy, I guess, or focus to do. Like, I feel like sometimes like I'm, I'm becoming that person when I play their part sometimes, you know, I guess. I mean, it's kind of like being an actor. You have to immerse yourself psychologically. But yeah, I mean, if you could clone yourself, you'd probably be a millionaire. You could have like 10 tribute bands and, and <laughs> just not even have to leave the house. <laughs> Explain this because there are very few guitar players. I mean, I, I, I love like, you know, I've heard Steve Stevens cover Randy Rhodes, but he sounds like Steve Stevens covering Randy Rhodes. Like you literally when you when you pull your Ingve out or you pull your Jeff Loomis out, like you sound like you've gotten into the character like Christian Bale losing 30 pounds to play a character. That's you on guitar. What do you what what's going through your head when you're doing that? I don't know. It just kind of happens naturally. All right. You, you got your guitar right there. And clearly you're the most loquacious person that's ever been on this show. Why don't you show, what's your favorite solo you're playing right now? Give us some shred. We don't really have a lot of shred on the show. Show us something, Joey. (laughs) 
hot damn. So just for the for the quick cliff notes, uh, like how did you how did you get into guitar? Uh, you know, what, what was your first experience with that? Well, my dad plays bass and he like grew up playing guitar, too. And uh, my grandfather also played guitar. So like it's like in my family. And how old were you when you when you first started? Eleven. Okay. And were you, were your family members teaching you? Were you self-taught? Was like, what was the combination of sort of learning experiences that got you to where you are? A little bit of everything. I, I took lessons like immediately at a local store around here and it it was just guitar from that point on. Like I like slept with the guitar for like the next decade. Um, this reminds me of, of uh, our episode we did with jimmy bell i don't know if you guys remember that he was talking about oh, like yeah. having the guitar in bed with him and he just like wakes up at 4 a.m like <laughs> like going as fast as he can but it's a true passion like i remember like opening my eyes to the morning and like guitar still in hand oh i did just yeah. do scales <laughs> like it was just like obsession speaking from someone like me you know who, who's always wanting to play like someone like you what can I do at 40 years old to, to be, I don't know, a millionth as good as Joey Concepcion? I don't know. I think with like technique, a lot of people like don't practice warming up enough. And like, I know like John Petrucci or is like one of the best people for doing that. Like just constantly warming up before you like actually think about playing something. So tell us about your warm. I mean, what was your warm up routine? Uh, I pretty much, I just do a lot of chromatic scales and like, I have my own like techniques that I do and I'll like, I'll like like, go, go up a string. So I'll do that and it's just like a rolly kind of thing, but it's kind of, I call it a roller coaster because it goes down and it goes up. (laughs) It's like... Like just getting like that fluidity in the hand all the time, it, it makes it easier to play like like easier stuff, you know. That's not that hard, like a blues, like. So like I, I just feel like it overall like helps your like operation, you know, to have more fluidity. Yeah, I mean that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean it's kind of like the strength training for you know whatever you need to do. It's similar on violin. Um, when you when you think back to your early like when you said you were taking lessons at the local music shop, I mean, looking back, what how did you feel about those lessons? Did you get the right foundation? Like, what sorts of things were you being taught as you know a new guitar player? I, I think I did. Like, it, it was right off the bat with Guns and Roses solos and stuff, and talking. straight from nothing to just solos. <laughs> yeah, like um, maybe not like solos but like i remember like learning sweet child of mine it was like one of the first ones that i learned in crazy train just a lot of metallica like every metallica of uh, the first five albums like i just like learned all those riffs well let me ask you this okay so i i was probably like 15 years old when i realized that my my uh my vibe my vibrato was better than kirk hammett when you play metallica do you have to dumb yourself down to try to sound like Kirk? Because I feel like your 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 vibrato and your feel is so much better that that I don't know if I could picture you playing Fade to Black and making it sound like actually Metallica. I, I guess a little bit, but not that much. <laughs> like, um, I, I I love what he plays. Like, it's really a memorable solo. 
So is that, is that, is that important? So let's talk about that. So Kirk Hammett, I grew up, I love every single Metallica song and, and all of that. But like, you know, his playing is level one for Shredders, but he's influenced so many players. Joey, can you speak to like what called you about Metallica and about Kirk Hammett? I think it was like, like the darkness of like the, um, and justice for all like the riffs were just like cold and like just really heavy so when you were listening to this were you uh like teaching yourself all these songs yeah i had like a tab book that i got from one of my guitar teachers and it was like the history of all throughout the 80s of metallica's riffs so like i just like learned that and uh i think one of my the biggest things that I learned from was like all the first three Paul Gilbert, like VHS tapes. I mean, I know a lot of people say that too. So, so when I say like purple Ibanez, you know exactly what I'm talking about with Paul Gilbert, right? Yeah. That purple Ibanez. Yeah. So, so talk about that. So Paul Gilbert. So for those that don't know guitars for Mr. Big, but also probably the one of the greatest living guitarist musicians of all time but he in the 80s had made um a shred video like to to teach people how to play and it's become the definitive video i mean i know Corey and i still play that same scale Corey yeah, knows the, the scale three note, the three note pursuing major scale yeah what do you think about uh paul, what do you think makes paul gilbert such a great teacher and and why is that video something that you wanted to learn note for note from start to finish he, he just like made it really silly and like um i don't know it's not like a very like serious video so like he was like one of the first people to like do videos on a consistent basis with like teaching back then you know well and this is before the youtube time yeah. correct yeah so i mean that's i feel like that is pretty groundbreaking because now you know you go on and it's like everybody has some tutorial on something but it's true and it's funny because that like we mentioned, like everyone, every guitarist, you know, kind of our age and like people I know that, that are into like the, the, that style of music and, and they all reference that video. So it's it's something that doesn't happen anymore where there's like one kind of foundational like uh, example of playing that so many other people share. Whereas now you just type into, you know, YouTube, like, oh, I want to learn how to sweep pick and you're going to get 4,000 different players teaching you a method. So it's like, it's almost like there used to be only three channels on TV. So everyone watched the same shows, but now, now there's a million. So it's like, we kind of lost that um, for better or worse, lost that singular point of education that you had with like those, uh, you know, shred masters back in like the eighties and nineties that put out, you know, that stuff. And everyone, like everyone used to stare at Eddie's hands. Everyone, you know, like there's like, there was like that one point and everyone would talk about that one technique that's kind of gone away a little bit, I think. Well, it's, I mean, it sounds to me like some of your early lessons and things were, you know, you, you said you started off with guitar solos. How did you, and it seems like you did a lot of self-study, but how did you fill in like getting the right technical training and knowing how to warm up and all of that? Because it seems like you've sort of amassed a lot of knowledge, but not always from teachers. I mean, how did you kind of put piece everything together in a way that helped you build your technique to what it is now? I think it was just like practice. Like I, I, I think I probably most definitely practice like ten hours a day at least, or somewhere between five and ten. Like from the age of thirteen till I was like twenty, doing like all the modes and all the scales, and and I, I just always like wrote my own music too. I had like a tape recorder back then, like a Fostex like four track, 
And like I, I had a Elisa's drum machine and I would just make beats and like just make my own riffs early on. So I was like always recording even early on and just trying to like, you know, make sure I was in key and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that that's an invaluable tool then. And that's something that, that, uh, I know that that's kind of how I came up. You know, I, I was like, I had the first, you know, uh, crappy, like, uh, like end track recorder or something for the, <laughs> for my computer, just really terrible piece of software. But, um, being able to hear yourself back. And then especially if you have multiple tracks, you can start overdubbing. That's, I think one of the, the best ways to get that like instant feedback when you're learning, because you can listen back and go, Oh, that sounds like shit. I'm doing something wrong. Whereas if you're just kind of practicing and you're practicing the wrong thing, you might not know it. And you might be like kind of working at something that's not the correct technique or something. So having the ability to record yourself and listen back is like one of the greatest tools. I think when you're learning guitar or trying to excel in a certain area, did you feel like your um, ear for harmony and, and songwriting developed alongside of that uh, recording with the four track there? I think so. Yeah. I, I just like always like wanted to like put down my ideas and it, it helped me like expand like on that, you know, I guess like harmonically or I would just like hear like other, other melodies on top of like a certain melody or riff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so on top of songwriting, I mean, it seems like it, there was no other alternative than just doing music for your living and for your life. I mean, and, and I think it's great and it helps that you had, you know, your family was in that as well. I mean, was there, in terms of your support system, is, d- did you get any input from, you know, your parents or grandparents, you know, anyone that was involved that were, they were musicians, did they, you know, want to foster you being a musician for a living? I mean, did you ever at any point think about doing anything else? Just out of curiosity. You know, I never, like, this is the only thing I know how to do. Like, I, I don't know. I've tried, you know, I, I've had a lot of different jobs and stuff, but my family, like, has always been supportive. Like, it, it, it goes, you know, it, it's it's hard sometimes, but it, it's always, I've always gotten great support. And, like, it seems like things are just getting better and better. So I just got to keep believing, you know that you know eventually it will work out because this is what i love to do and i just am compelled to to keep going so speaking of like things getting better and better can you talk a little bit about what you've been up to you know now like professionally over the past few years just to give some people some backstory there well i live in connecticut and um i've always mostly been like a a solo guitar player and like I, i have a lot of friends out here in, in the music industry too. Um, I was in a band called Armageddon um, from like 2013 till 2017 with Christopher Amott from from Arch Enemy, and that was like no big deal. <laughs> that was like <laughs> where I first got like my touring experience, and um, uh, a band called Dead by Wednesday. I was in out here. Um, with opus and just i've always just like jumped around in bands you know but like i i always wanted to do like this uh this solo thing for real because like i know like that i can like control everything that's created around it in a way because like i'm not like the best band leader but like i have like something to say you know like (laughs) in, in my music i guess 
I've uh, done some gigs with uh, with Arch Enemy in the past, filling in in Dark Tranquility, Sanctuary. Um, so, talk talk about how that came about with with Arch Enemy, especially. You know, obviously we're familiar. I'm sure a lot of. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. So let's just back it up for a moment. So. We have Jeff Loomis play on Lost Symphony. And the reason we got Jeff on Lost Symphony is because Joey was in Belgium sitting at a table with Jeff Loomis going, hey, there's this awesome project, Lost Symphony, and my buddy Benny, um, it'd be cool. And Jeff, who's literally pound for pound one of the greatest guitar players that's ever walked the face of the planet, was like, sure. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, Joey's so amazing. So for Jeff to take Joey seriously enough to give me a call back, it's pretty freaking amazing. But then when Jeff had, you know, family stuff going on, you got called to do, what was it, the Download Festival? Like, on a short notice basis to go fill in for Jeff Loomis? Can we talk <laughs> about that real quick? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it was Summer Breeze in Germany, 2018. How many people were, were, were at that show, Joey? I think, like, around 50,000. Oh, only 50,000? <laughs> Just a casual 50,000. So, so, but hold on. How much time did you have? So for those that don't know Arch Enemy and Jeff Loomis, if you were to equate his guitar playing to, I don't know, um, science, it'd be like figuring out the theory of relativity to try to learn his parts. Quantum like, mechanics. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's quantum mechanics. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> uh, there's, It's literally impossible. In fact, if you said to me, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars in a million years to learn Jeff Loomis's parts for one show, I would just say, forget it. I don't have a million years or a million dollars and I can't do this. How many days did it take you to learn Jeff Loomis's entire repertoire for that show? I, I was like really rehearsed because like they're, they're just like one of my favorite bands. So like, I like grew up with Arch Enemy and like just learning all their songs. So like, I knew a lot of their like hit songs and stuff. And then, but, like, but how? But how much notice did you actually have before you had to go in front of fifty thousand people with Arch Enemy? I think like three months or something. Three months. Yeah. Again, for reference, if you gave me Corey and Sh well, not Siobhan, we're not going to include her in this. Corey and I, thirty years. Corey, could you do that? Maybe 30 years. Do you think we could do this in 30 years? We if could I can learn go Jeff back set? in time 30 years ago and, and start practicing. <laughs> yeah. My brain was more malleable and able to pick up new things at that point. Yeah. So basically, if we go back to 10 when Joey was 10 and we started practicing <laughs> with him every day, maybe we could have done it too. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's just like anything. I mean, it's... It, 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 things are easier to pick up when you have that foundation of the technique, right? You know, and it, it especially helps if you were drawn to that music already. And that was part of what you were incorporating into your early years of just playing and learning solos and internalizing the music. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it would just be like anyone being called to be a soloist. If you're being pulled out of the the mentality of being a soloist and you're used to doing something completely different. Yeah, of course, it would take a long time. But yeah. Um, you know, I can see that you probably picked it up pretty quickly. I mean, was it, what was your rehearsal time like with the band? You know, obviously you had your own preparation time, but how much time were you spending with them rehearsing in preparation for this we show? We actually didn't rehearse. We only did like, like maybe four songs. Like we jammed once and like, that was really it. Like a month before that too. So like, I just like, it was just like I watched all their live videos and just like tried to copy them. Like when I got on stage and I'm just like, is this a simulation? Wow. And well, I mean, I'm I, just, go ahead, go ahead, Ben. Well, I was going to say, I saw it 
and I watched it like a proud Jewish mother. Because I was like, because I didn't know. I'm like, okay, he's really, really good. But Jeff Loomis is like the bar for which things are set. And I watched you, and I you you did not miss a note the entire set. Did the band like walk off afterwards and say anything? Like, what did they say to you? Because they must know that that's like, hey, we just asked you, you know, you to swim like Michael uh, Phelps, can uh, and you did it. You just won us eighteen gold medals. Did did like Alicia come up to you after the show, the lead singer of Arch Enemy, and say anything, or did they just high five you and walk away and wait for Jeff to come back? <laughs> no, they were all really kind and like they they were really like grateful and thankful, and they all like we all like power fisted and stuff you know backstage like we did it you know they were just really thankful and I, I was really thankful and it was it really it just fit that's awesome I mean you know coming from understanding what it's like to play festivals or you know rock shows I mean it's one thing to know the music but there are a lot of things I don't know if you guys were on monitors or in ears but you know there are a lot of things that you I'm assuming they're probably not on a click track I don't know <laughs> But yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that can kind of throw you off compared to how you're used to rehearsing stuff in your own world and your own, you know, comfort zone. Was was there anything that felt uncomfortable or different or made it difficult for you to play that show? I mean, obviously you did great, so it worked. But you know, how did it feel to be in that environment? Was was there anything that was different? I was a little nervous. Um... For the dumbest things, though, and it's it's just like I hope I bend that one note right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just I don't know. I tried to relax. Like I I tried to just like you know, I guess meditate before the show and just I'll, I'll just like sometimes like you know look at the crowd from far away and I'll just feel like okay. I, like just just be silly you know like don't take it seriously that's important advice i mean you know it's you make it sound very easy i know it's um it, some people get really terrible stage fright so for you to be in such a high pressure position and have that outlook is is pretty amazing to me yeah i mean i was i was nervous even with jeff watching you know like and uh what did jeff what did jeff think cuz i mean listen i, I you, you've been kind enough to introduce me to Jeff and he's a fucking fantastic human being. Super nice. What a great player. Super humble human being. He's he's a lot like you in the sense like, oh, was that good enough? Or bo-? And you're like, <laughs> what's, are you a psych? Are you hearing what? You, he's crazy in that he's just, again, one of those guys that you can tell he practices a million hours a day and still nothing's ever good enough. What did he think when he saw you play? Was he like a proud Jewish mother? Like, uh, what what was up with that? What did he? What was the phone call from Jeff after that show? He just said that I killed it, and that he he was just super nice, and that like he just like appreciated that you know that I did this, and like he he also helped me out on on a guitar solo for for my new album. So like right out the bang, actually, like um, after the intro, the album starts and. Jeff Loomis is my first guest on, on my new album too. So like, that's pretty cool. And yeah, he's just been a great like mentor and friend. And like, just from afar, like I just like appreciate his humility and like attitude. And 
everything he does on the instrument, you know? I'll tell you this. For months and months and months, I've been listening to Giant Spider Attack on the City. Okay? Now, we're talking about how Joey has a hand like a Ouija board, and he sounds like Randy, <laughs> sounds like Jeff Loomis. But you go and listen to Giant Spider Attack on the City. And you will know the voice of Joey Concepcion because that's the other thing. So it's not he's not just an imitator. OK, and Joey has played on all three Lost Symphony records. And in fact, one of the reasons that we keep calling Joey back, um, it's not because he just talks our ear off, as you can tell. Uh, it's because every single time he sends a solo into us, it's one of those things where we're. Corey and I, it doesn't matter if he's against Rusty Cooley, doesn't matter if it's Jimmy Bell or Kelly or Marty Friedman. Whenever Joey comes in, it's just like a breath of fresh air, like, holy shit. Like, you just seem to pick the right notes. If you could describe your style as far as you, your voice, how do you approach the guitar as far as you? Because I know you've filled in for Dark Tranquility, you filled in for Sanctuary, you filled in for Arch Enemy, you've been a higher gun because you can play anything. But this is your record. How would you describe your record? I, I really wanted to take every influence that I have and like kind of package it into this like big like tribute in a way to like, you know, like Steve Vai and Ingve and Paul Gilbert. But then, like, I wanted to have, like, riffs like Kill Switch Engage or, you know, Arch Enemy or, you know, even, like, death metal bands like Decapitated. Just, like, it's just, it's just, like, a mixture of all these crazy styles and even trying to fit a little, like, fusion elements in there and some classical. And it's kind of like, like a story or a concept, like, when you listen to it, like... The basis is that, like, I wanted to make an album that, like, you know, I want to be a part of that, like, genty, like, really modern metal thing. But then I also, like, I don't know where to fit in because, like, I don't want to be, like, a robotic guitar player. I want to have, like, a unique style and just, like, sound like myself. And, I, I mean, I like all those old older guitar players, like, Yngwie and Vi, and they're, like, so emotive and expressive and i wanted to like make something like super expressive and melodic but like just really bombastically heavy and technical as well and, yeah and like also try to fit like hooks in there and i i have two songs on the album with uh with vocals so me and a friend of mine were we're singing on it, so it's it's the first time I'm You're singing, Joey? Yeah. Well, awesome, it's, dude. It's like it's like death metal growls. So nice. Yeah. I mean, it sounds super eclectic, and I'm I mean, I'm just curious. You know, when you conceptualize the album, how does the writing process work for you? Does it start with a, a riff, a, a hook, a melody, a solo? What's like what's kind of the general order of events when you're writing a tune or coming up with the idea for an album? I think it's funny because, like, I'm going to, like, laugh with Benny about this, but it's, like, kind of like Bob Ross in a way. I just, like, I like I kind of see it before it happens, but I'm just, like, how am I going to make this happen? <laughs> and I just, like, I don't know. I'm, like, feeling a certain way. Like, it's a mood. So, like, I want to take the mood and, like, put the mood, you know, on a screen. But then, like, the mood has to change, and it just, like, becomes, like, this sound, like, emotive thing that's interesting i think it was bumblefoot that we had on the show that said something really similar that he it visualizes kind of the end product or the whole thing and then has to deconstruct sort of backwards yeah. and and sometimes it's like 
spontaneous too and it's just like i just like build it like a scientist or something well i want to talk about one of the first times well actually the first time that i met you um is so we were recording lost symphony and um you you came down and it, it was ollie herbert rest in peace ollie rest in power um and matt lapierre and little joey and he's not really that little he's like over six feet tall joey comes in and he's all, and if you couldn't tell from his demeanor now, he's humble, he's like nervous, Ollie's one of his heroes, and Ollie's sitting there, and I literally have video of Joey with his back Aww. playing to us, and he didn't like want to play, he's like, I don't know if I got it, and like Ollie and Matt are literally, who are two of the greatest guitarists that have ever lived, are sitting there like, what? And Joey's like, I don't know if I got it, and they're like, what? Well, and finally he turns around and just starts playing for everybody. But the thing that's hilarious is that Joey, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this, Joey, and I, and I love you to pieces. He doesn't articulate through his words what he does through his hands. So he'll be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I got that. Then he sits down and plays, and it's the most ridiculous, bombastic, crazy solo outside of the box, some weird thing. What was that good, guys? <laughs> and it's really interesting when you meet someone like Joey, who's so supremely talented, and you could tell that all these notes are going on in his heads, but it's almost like the notes are preventing you from speaking. You're like, I, I need to get the notes out. I can't talk to you. Do you feel like that's a thing? Yeah, yeah, I for do. Yeah, I do. I do. It sucks sometimes, but I mean, it, it's it's not that bad. I mean... There's some things like I hear that I just like, I don't even. Yeah. There's some things that you haven't been able to get out of your head and on, onto the, the track. Yeah. But like, you know, hopefully I just, I just want to keep making more albums, making more crazy s stuff, you know? Yeah. This, uh, this new record's out, is it March 17th? Mm-hmm. So that is probably passed by the time this is out. So make sure everyone uh, goes and checks out Divine Technical Machine. Um, what's what's your favorite tr track that you want people to check out first if they're uh, if they're going to give it a, a taste? I actually have a song called Blistered and that one's just like it's a good you know size song. It's like three four minutes. So it's like just like a ripping burning track you know and then gets like groovier towards the end but I, sometimes i'm just like i don't even know if anybody's gonna like this but i can't think about that i don't care but it's like something i really have to do and it's like if, if someone likes it hopefully <laughs> but if not i i feel like i made something i'm proud of you know yeah you gotta write you gotta write it for yourself first yeah but you just brought up a good point crippling self-doubt is a huge <laughs> Huge factor in amazing players. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Siobhan off the ledge. And she's like, <laughs> I don't know if anything I'm doing is good. I don't know what's going on with my life. And then meanwhile, she's the she's the greatest. I mean, literally, you could have her play against Marty Friedman. She learns Marty Friedman solos. Or We did a song, which we haven't released yet, but we did a cover of Over the Mountain with Randy Rhodes. And you play it, you triple track it, and Siobhan actually doubles the solo. And it's so fucking tight that every time I play for anybody, nobody does realizes it, it's anything other than guitar. And like, <laughs> right. meanwhile, if I had ever recorded anything even remotely as good as any of you guys, I'd be walking around and my head wouldn't even be able to fit through the door. So <laughs> I, I feel like that 
maybe let's turn this back about me. Maybe this is about me in the sense that if I had just been more humble and had more self doubt that I could have been better. Is that, is that accurate? Like maybe if I just questioned everything that I do, that I could be better at life because I feel like every time I talk to you guys, it's, I don't know if this is going to be good enough. And that, and then I go and hear it, which by the way, I want to talk about this record. Didn't you record this record yourself, Joey? Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, go listen to Divine Technical Machine. The production quality of this record is fucking B-A-N-A-N-A-S, as my favorite Gwen Stefani, no doubt member says. Bananas. It's so good. How did you record this thing, dude? Um, well, I use Cubase. Um, I, I just, I mixed it all by myself. And I, I've been recording since like, 2008 like on cubase and like just learning how it works and stuff and the last album i i didn't mix but i i i love that that mix too and that that producer was involved but uh this this time like i felt like my music was like too out of control that like i i didn't know how to tame it like i i, I wouldn't like i mean i i just felt like there was like more that i could do you know and like um I didn't know if anybody could like handle it on their own. Like I, I just like, it was like OCD about like every like nothing cranny, like, like, I don't know. That makes sense. I mean, and this goes back to something you said earlier about, you know, being a band leader, playing in other bands and your, your draw to being a soloist is that that's, yeah. that's part of what makes you who you are. Is that like excessive attention to detail? And you, you, you almost are chosen for that sort of path because <laughs> You know, if uh, I can understand that, you know, sometimes you feel like your idea is the only way to to bring them to life is to be completely in control of it. You know, the second you relinquish yeah. some of that to someone else, there's room for for change or for your vision going astray. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty open minded to other ideas, too. And like the drummer on the album, Jeremy Kling, he did an amazing job. He He's in the band called The Absence and uh that's another band that I used to play with. And uh, I had a, I had a guy from Finland do some guest vocals called Christian Palin from Adagio. Uh, I have Mark Rizzo on a track um, and uh, Chris Amott from Arch Enemy. So, like, so Mark, you just mentioned, so we, so we have Jeff Loomis, who's a, a Jedi guitarist, Mark Rizzo, for those that don't know, also stupidly good stupidly good guitars like absolutely fucking every time i see this guy play i'm like i might as well just give up <laughs> and then you have chris Ammon. i mean what what the fuck joey do you play on this record too <laughs> yeah i mean there was there was going to be a lot more players on it too but like with the pandemic it like really sucked so this album's actually been like five years in the making, so oh, we know that game. It yeah. feels like so liberating to just move to the next piece of music. <laughs> that's ex- that's yeah. very exciting. Wow. Yeah. It, it it was hurting for a while to carry the weight of it, like not doing anything. But like, I want to do this, like you know, and I want to like give people the music. I can definitely recommend people check it out. Uh, Divine Technical Machine. It should be out now. Um, I, you know. For me, listening through um, the tracks, it's got like a, a the perfect blend of a film score progressions where it's not like a, it's not doesn't sound like a metal, you know, 
like kind of the standard metal progression. It's got like a little bit of modulation and movement that you don't often hear, but it flows really well because you're very vocal with your guitar lines. So it's it's really interesting choices in the progressions and, and the shifts to the moods like you talked about. Uh, it, I almost got a little bit of like the Devin Townsend feel in some sections. Yeah, that's a huge influence with the production and everything. <laughs> So I definitely can't recommend it enough. And uh, we, before we wrap up, we do have to uh, talk a little bit about our sponsor, Lost Symphony. Uh, I'm actually curious to know because you have been a huge part of, of every record. You know, you have amazing solos. Uh, can you talk about your favorite uh, track that you've worked on for Lost Symphony? Do you have one? I don't know. I honestly like. I just want to, I think I could like point out two awesome experiences. I, I think that I loved I mean, obviously like I, I really like treasure the, the track with Ollie, you know, and like being in Benny's studio and like, I, I love the solo that I did there personally, but then like another amazing thing. I believe that was negation delirium, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I actually like, yeah, I just really liked what I did after a while, you know, it, but like, I was like in the moment I was like, Oh my God, Holly's right there. Like, I'm just going to play some like bullshit stuff. So like, hopefully they'll like it. <laughs> like, but well, um, <laughs> actually look to just go back to that. So I have the video and he's doing takes or whatever, and he gets the exact take like that's on the record like none of it's edited it's always just joey just pulling it out of his asshole and you could see like literally ollie and matt both go like at the same time and he's like was that it and they're like what the fuck's wrong with you joey how much better do you want to get like ollie's literally sitting there and he's he wasn't very animated but he's like is that not good enough for you like what what better are you gonna do than that what note could you possibly could you do that's you didn't do so oh. do you, you say you had another another experience? Yeah, I was gonna say um, when I when I did bargaining depression and I got to be on a track with Marty, uh, yeah. like that just like hearing Marty, you know, over your music and like and then also I just like appear like a Pokemon like in between, <laughs> like and I'm just like what the fuck, just like that's Marty Friedman. So it's like it's like a cool, yeah. I like that. The Lost Symphony Pokemon. That is kind of the best description of of your various appearances in our all of our three albums, chapters one, two, and three. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna stick links in the description to all those songs. Um and maybe we'll even put a clip or two in here. Um if we put too much, we'll we'll demonetize ourselves, so we'll be careful with that. <laughs> yeah. The fun, the fun fact about twenty twenty and Lost Symphony, the same people, but we hijack our own copyright strikes. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I do wanna say for those um that haven't heard chapters one, two, and three from Lost Symphony. First off, we're very proud of them. But the thing that we we kind of started off with is we had Kelly Carroluck, Matt LaPierre, a guy like Joey Concepcion, and Jimmy Bellick, these guys that not, not everyone necessarily had heard of. And we had them play against guys like Marty Friedman and Jeff Loomis and Nuno Betancourt and Alex Skolnick, all these guys. And one thing I have to absolutely say is that Joey, like... No matter who he's playing against, it we always were so excited when you would come play on a song. And in fact, every single time we're like, who should we get to get to do another solo? It was always just, let's call Joey. And I remember Siobhan, she, she hadn't met you or whatever, but, and she was just learning about all these shred guitar players. But I remember getting a call from her one time saying, oh, well, that Joey guy, he's... 
but he's just so musical and melodic. I really like him. Like you, actually, you and Richard Shaw from Cradle of Filth and all. I feel like you guys both have a lot in common in the sense that you're younger guys, but you're carrying the torch of the dime bags and the Marty Friedmans and all of that into this modern gent universe of YouTube, almost cold playing that you're saying. And, and I really love the fact that, you know, you're younger dudes, but you're still keeping the old school alive where, you know, a guy like Richard, you could see him play a minute and a half of premeditated destruction all the way through. And he's really doing it. And everything that you do on our records, like I can vouch sitting there. Joey really does it. There's no punching in. There's no nothing. It's just, oh, there it is. There's the take. And that's amazing <laughs> to me. Yeah. So thank you for, for contributing to Lost Symphony and being a part of it. Um, where can people find you know, you, your socials, your website, where, where can people find out more about you? So my official website is joeyconcepcion.net. And then you could also just type in Joey Concepcion on Facebook or Instagram. It's Joey Concepcion guitar. And I don't know if I have a TikTok up yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think there's one up there. If, if you just look up my name, it's, should be there yeah we'll stick links in the description there and awesome yeah, divine technical machine which is out now because it's after march 17th i assume <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much no thank you joey we want to say thank you and I, and I hope that you'll continue to con collaborate with us and I, I i always love having you come down to the studio because we always get so much done and it's just such a pleasure hang out with you and I and I encourage every single person who's listening to this to go listen to Divine Technical Machine because as much as Joey's clearly an orator from birth what you do with your hands with the guitar is like nothing I've ever heard and again you know with Lost Symphony it's really exciting for me to hear all of my heroes and then to realize that guys like Joey and Richard and Kelly and Matt and Jimmy are my new heroes because you guys, you give me hope for the future, Joey. <laughs> you give me hope, bro. Aw, what Aww. a beautiful moment. Aww, All right, so guys, cute. check out two zero. on that note, you've been 2020. Yeah. 2020-d.com, yeah. and we will see you next week. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com, like, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode 170 featuring Richard Shaw, formerly of Cradle of Filth. Check it out. We don't talk in 4-4. So why is it weird when music isn't in 4-4? I find that really odd. When people are like, I just play, I, I write something, and then they kind of have to, sh especially in this day and age, I've got to shoehorn it into the click track. Well, that doesn't, oh, that, shit, that's not in 4. Uh, I'll have to change my my riff or whatever it's like no the riff was great how it was like why does it have to be in four we, we don't think in four we don't talk in four so what's the problem <laughs> we're changing it well hey this is steve Choi, host of the musicians guild podcast part of the sound talent media podcast network Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.